Yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away. Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. I love that voiceover. That's Ryan Treasure, the VP of Operations, and I say the VP of everything at World Talk Radio, my co-producer and partner in crime here on TechRev. We finally call this show. We are talking about a very interesting topic. I don't think in the last 60 episodes, one week, I don't think we've ever quite covered this topic. So I'm going to throw out a couple of song titles to get us started, and then I'll give you a little bit of a buzz quote to hone in on what we're talking about today. By the way, I'm here on Zoom Live and I have a wonderful panel of four interesting experts on the topic, so let me start. Okay, those of you in my era, Baby Boomer, we'll leave the the exact years to the imagination. The Everly Brothers sang a wonderful song called All I Have to Do is Dream. Before that, Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong sang Dream a Little Dream of Me. Are you seeing a trend here? When I started drumming two years ago, one of my first songs I learned was Dream On by Aerosmith. You're getting it? Dream Lover, Bobby Darin. You make my dreams come true, Hall of Notes. Running Down a Dream, Tom Petty. Get Out of My Dreams, Into My Car, Billy Ocean. And Dream Weaver by Gary Wright. So you know what the theme is today. Dream about it. So here's the buzz. I found an article in Wired. And this was written by a gentleman who was the co-founder and chief visionary officer. That's a new C-suite title of Dreams Cloud. His name is Jean-Marc Emden. And here's the quote. We've all been there, woken up from a night's sleep, thinking about a dream from the night before. Why did the dream happen? What does it mean? Enter technology that can help answer these questions. Okay, so here is a little bit more about the aspect of technology we may be talking about today. The Aurora headband from a company called iWinks, I-W-I-N-K-S, gives us the opportunity to control our dreams and access lucid dreams, which is the awareness that you're actually dreaming by prompting them in our sleep. It's a headband. It measures brain waves, eye movement activities, and it tracks body movements. I'm just going to leave that alone. How will this technology change your life? How will it change your dreams? Do you want it? Are you interested? I don't know. There'll be new movies around this wonderful headband. We have Roberta Moore at EQI Coach. We have therapist Scott Skink. We have licensed counselor Francesca Ferrantelli. And we have psychiatrist Leonard Cruz with me. And the topic today, if you haven't guessed, is it's all in your mind, technology and the future of your dreams. Welcome. I am Bonnie D. Graham in the house, and let's get started. Roberta Moore, I want to thank you for gathering this beautiful panel. I can't wait to hear what you all have to say. So, Roberta, you're up first, and why don't you please introduce yourself? You've been on with me before on TechRev, and I'm going to say very wisely, Roberta, there might be 4.3 people in the world who don't remember who you are, just that few. So I want you to talk to them and remind them who you are, what you do, and what's your passion for dreams and tech. Welcome, Roberta. Thank you, Bonnie. I'm sure there's more than 4.3. So I, I'm appreciative of this opportunity to say that I currently serve two roles. I am an executive coach who specializes in emotional intelligence, working with high-level managers and C-suite executives to 
improve their emotional intelligence skills. I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist and have been for the last 20 years, helping mostly couples um, increase their relationship skills and be happier in their relationships. And I started having a passion for dreams back in the 80s when I was a client in therapy. I'm still a client in therapy and probably will continue till the day I <laughs> stop dreaming. But dreams have, have been very helpful in guiding my career and in my personal and in my personal life decisions. That's why I'm so passionate about them. Thank you very much. And Roberta, is tech and dreams, tech in the realm of dreams, is it scary to think it's a good thing? Just briefly. Well, you remember, you remember there's a quote that I had shared with you at one point in time about techno from Carl Jung, technology is not good or bad. It's what we do with it. And so I think that, that it can be helpful. I am a I'm a bit of a technophobe myself. I, I latch onto technology. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. It just takes me a while to develop that skill. So, I, I, you know, I, I think the jury for me is still out on that. Thank you very much. Good start. And again, everybody, round of applause to Roberta for bringing this <laughs> panel together. Roberta, you worked very Thanks. hard getting everyone, and I am very appreciative. Let's move around the virtual table to Scott Skank. Scott, welcome. A little birdie told me you know somebody on this panel very well. You can reveal that or not. And Scott, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? By the way, our listeners are all around the world, and they are looking forward to hearing our conversation and sharing our knowledge. So, Scott, you're up. Well, thanks, Bonnie. It's great to be here. And you're right. I've heard a lot about you from my wife, Roberta. <laughs> so we, we actually deal with dreams a lot uh, with each other. We talk about them all the time. So I'm an executive actually right now. I'm not practicing as a therapist at the moment. Um, I work in a large financial institution. I work with technology every day. So, in fact, my background is computer tech savvy, but the same technology scary uh, because things can happen that are the wrong consequences. But dreams are great. I try to track my dreams in a dream journal. I look at them from a year. And Roberta and I talk about them all the time. So my passion for dreams dates back to when I had first met Roberta and she got me interested and we both went through a, a training program at the hate. Scott, interesting people. Scott, thank you. We're thrilled to have you. Let's move on. Francesca Ferrantelli. Welcome, Francesca. I'm going to put you up on speaker view so everybody can get to know you. Francesca, talk to me. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank um, you, Bonnie. My passion for dreams began very young. I'm a licensed professional counselor, a board certified coach, and a certified EMDR therapy clinician. And I do work with dreams with my clients. Uh, but it goes back farther than that. I'm a first generation. I'm a first generation. And I grew up in a home that took dreams very seriously. My mother would wake up and tell my father I had a dream, and he might not go ahead with a business deal based on that. I made my decision to attend Pacifica Graduate Institute where I got my doctorate based on a dream because I was agonizing, you know, was, would this degree really help me? And so I love working with dreams with clients, um, very influenced by the work of Carl Jung and completely 
bought into the idea of how beneficial it can be when we really look at our dreams. Thank you very much. Uh, Francesca, the world is in turmoil. We are in the middle, maybe toward the end, we hope, of a global pandemic disruption like we have never seen in our lifetimes. I think I I think I'm speaking for the panel looking at the ages of the people in front of me approximately. We've never seen anything like this before. So my question to you is are are people reporting dreams that are more fraught with anxiety and fear and death? Because I know my dreams changed very dramatically, the ones I remember around the beginning of the pandemic. They were awful. They were dark. What? what just a quick overview, Francesca, what are you hearing? Absolutely, Bonnie. You're absolutely right about that. People are having very high anxiety dreams, and a lot of people are having what Carl Jung would call a big dream, an extremely epic dream that has gigantic proportions for that individual's life. So not only are we seeing the typical anxiety dreams, apocalyptic dreams, uh, but certainly an increase in big dreams. And how do you define a big dream, Francesca? Big dream. Paul Jung would call a dream that has an extreme significance, usually archetypal symbology, symbology that is known throughout the ages, symbology that might mean something to many, many cultures. And I'm seeing an increase of those big dreams. Very, very interesting. Thank you. I know my dreams around March, April were, were had death in them. People I knew, people I didn't know. I woke up remembering somebody had died. And it, a lot of fear. It's it's abated a lot, but there's still my dreams are 3D Technicolor, big movie productions, people, places, colors, costumes, buildings, streets, cars, food. It's 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 absolutely everything. And and I I'm not sure I want to remember more than I do, but that's that's a topic for later in the show. Let's go to the very smiling Len Cruz. Len, I have to say you're an MD psychiatrist. Len, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your passion for the topic. Welcome. Len Cruz. Well, thank you very much, Bonnie. So I've been in three roles currently. I've, I've been a psychiatrist for coming up on my 40th year. I was quite young when I started, and probably part of the reason why my interest in dreams started quite young, though I remember when I was in residency, I was in a very Freudian setting, and I could call going into one of my professor's offices who had the collected works of Carl Jung, and I would steal one volume at a time and read it secretly and return it. <laughs> Decades later, he, he informed me that he was well aware of that all along. So I've had a long interest in, in Jung and in dreams. Um, and I'll just to, to maybe talk a little bit about one of my passions. So my other two roles are I'm currently the chief medical officer of a hospital. And that's brought out the administrator in me for better and for worse. But much more interesting to me in terms of my personal life is about a decade, well, going on yeah, about a decade ago, um, I assumed the ownership and became the editor-in-chief of a publishing company that publishes Jungian titles. But to pick up on what Francesca said about big dreams, about a year before that happened, I think it was about a year, I had this very, very powerful dream in which I was trying to escape from a room that looked almost like a museum of old computers, old electronic equipments from the 40s. And when I finally escaped from it and there were people in pursuit of me, dark figures, I found myself on a, on a flat plane in which I had a staff and I, as I would break the staff into pieces and drive it into the ground, light would spread from that point outward. 
wow. across the surface of the planet. And it was about a year later when I was approached about taking ownership of the publishing company, a passion I've had with books all my life. And it was only then that it connected that it seems to me, and who knows, but the way it left me with the impression was that my calling in my mid-50s now, uh, mid-late 50s, was going to be to plant books into the world and perhaps spread light um, into the world. So I think that would be an example of what Francesca was talking about regarding a big dream. A prophetic dream. Wow, Len, thank you for sharing that. That was, that was a, as my kids used to say, it was a cool bean story. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Let me just go around the table before we go to the quotes. I'm just curious. Do you want to remember more of your own dreams or are you satisfied with those wisps, those little, you wake up and there are little clouds coming out of your head. I think I remember, and, and I try to catch them and they just keep wisping off into the air. But sometimes I remember a hell of a lot. So are, are you happy with, before we get into the to- topic of how technology will help us or not remember or not our dreams or not, um, are you happy with the amount of what you personally remember in your dreams? Roberta Moore, what do you think? I wish that I remembered more, and mine go in phases and stages. I hadn't mentioned that for 10 years, I think. I belonged to a Jungian dream, dream group um, headed by Jungian analyst Karen Hodges in Spartanburg, South Carolina, when I was involved there. Uh, Scott and I were both involved with Westgate Family Therapy Center. Uh, and I remembered learning then that it, when, when your life is very busy on the surface, like if you're running around crazy busy in your career, you might actually have less access to remembering your dreams. And then that will be followed in balance by times of reflection where maybe life is not so busy on the surface so you can go deeper down below the surface. And personally, that's what has happened to me during Uh, the time of the pandemic, that part of it has been a blessing for me because I felt like I was scrambling on the surface. Then that hit. I I have been working with a Jungian analyst for years now, and my dream life got reinvigorated during this time. I've gotten more out of it. That's been a blessing to me. But, you know, even if you just catch fragments, it's amazing what you you can figure out even from a tiny wisp. Yes, and I, Roberta, I've been thinking about leaving my voice recorder app up on my phone, which is next to my bed, so that if I if I have any wisdom or any lucidity at that moment in time, hitting it and just speaking into the recorder and saying, I remember blah, 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 and capturing it before it goes away and listening later. I haven't done it yet, but it, it, it's something I, and that's very simple technology. Let's go around the table, Scott Skank. What do you think, Scott? Are you happy with the amount of dreams you're remembering or not? No, I'm not happy at all because I don't remember them as much as I'd like to. I've gone through, as Roberta said, I've gone through fits and starts with this. It, it remind you when when Roberta was talking, it reminded me that you know I actually was in a dream group using technology uh, back oh ten years ago. Robbie Bosnack and Jill Fisher out of Boston. We had an international dream group where we would meet on Sundays through Skype. And we would do dream work actually looking at dreams. Uh, We had people from South Africa, Boston. At the time, we were in North Carolina. We had some people in California. We had somebody in Australia. 
And it was a fascinating thing to do. Now I'm not looking at my dreams as much, and I'm unhappy with that. So I'd, I'd welcome technology to actually amplify that and help me. Thank you. Interesting. We're just doing the personalization part of this conversation, Francesca Ferrandelli. Please, what do you think? You happy with what you're remembering? You want more? I'm happy with what I'm remembering, but that's also because I'm pretty disciplined right now as far as like my meditation, my reflection, prayer, any of that quiet time. And I agree with what Roberta said. I know when I'm really super busy or completely focused on my career or some business endeavors, I I don't remember them. I don't even know how well I'm sleeping then. So I, I notice that when I really take the time to pay attention to my dreams, to write them down, psyche gives me more of them. Psyche is much more generous in the images that I get. And when I'm not paying attention, not so much. Interesting. Len Cruz, want to hear from you. Dream life, what do you think? I'd love to remember more of my dreams in some respects, but, you know, I, I think rather than remembering the details and the, and the little minutiae, what I would enjoy more is being absorbed by my dreams. And I occasionally have those sorts of dreams that even after the wisp disappears, it, it still sort of infuses your, your daily life. And I would love to have that be almost my endless state that I get to have that every day. But um, I'm not sure I'd want to know every little detail, some of which I think are just things to be purged and discarded. Very interesting. Thank you all for sharing on the personal level. I didn't tell you you were going to do that, but I appreciate your this is about real people having a real conversation. That's what we're doing. Thank you. And Scott, you sound fine on the phone now. So thank you for calling in. So Great. I'm going to go to the part of the show where I've asked my panelists to send me a quote that on the surface has absolutely nothing to do with the topic. I will read a little bit about the source of the attribution, if you will, of that quote and ask them to explain in their own words what they think the quote has to do with the topic. So Roberta Moore has sent us a quote from the song On the Sunny Side of the Street. It's a 1930 song composed by Jimmy McHugh, lyrics by Dorothy Field, and rumor has it that Fats Waller composed it, but he sold the rights. It's a jazz standard. It's been played by everybody from Louis Armstrong to Dave Brubeck and Count Basie and Lionel Hampton and Benny Goodman, Errol Hines, you name it. The most popular arrangement, and Roberta knows this, was by Tommy Dorsey and the Sentimentalists. I took that word apart, Roberta. Mentalist, I like that, which reached number 16 on the charts in 1945. I don't think anybody on this panel, I don't think, was born in 45. I know I wasn't. So, no, we're all younger than that. Here's the quote. Grab, I'm, I'm going to sing it, Roberta. You have to forgive me. Grab, <laughs> grab your coat and get your hat. Leave your worry on the doorstep. Just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. No, no booze, no applause, please. Roberta, help me out here. Why in the world did you pick that quote? And I'm sorry for the bad singing. Go ahead, Roberta. Yeah, I loved your singing. Thank you for singing it. I actually wanted the quote to go on longer, but I knew, you know, we had to, we only have so much time. That, so that quote is actually, I actually used it in my book. I wrote a book called Emotion at Work. Unleashing the Secret Power of Emotional Intelligence. Mm -hmm. And it's in there because one of the 16 skills in the EQI 2.0 model that I use is optimism. And optimism has been important to me my entire life because the the way in which I grew up in my family of origin, negativity reigned. 
So I've always had to learn um, to reframe, reframe my negative thoughts into positive ones. And it takes, sometimes in my life, that takes more work than other times in my life. You know, but when that hits, it's really hard work. But when, when a person can reframe negative thoughts into positive ones, then they have more self-efficacy. They have more agency. I think it's the secret to a happier life or a more personally fulfilling and productive life to keep reframing negative thoughts to positive ones. So that's what the lyrics of that song personally means to me. And I use it myself in, in my life to get myself to turn my thoughts around. Thank you very much. We always love optimism. That's why this theme for this show is the future of now. And I'll say at the end, and I'll reinforce it now for our newcomers to the show, the future is not here already. That was yesterday's future. We're all here as part of making today's future happen. So there you go. So let's go to Scott. And Scott has sent me a quote from John Lennon, iconic John Lennon. John Winston Ono Lennon added his wife's name. I think she was his second wife, MBE, born John Winston Lennon. October 1940, he would have been how old now? 60 plus 80? Right, he would have been 80 this year on October 9th. Uh, passed away at the bullet of a of an assassin on December 8th, 1980. He was the founder, co-lead vocalist, and rhythm guitarist of the Beatles. And his songwriting partnership with Paul McCartney remains the most successful in musical history. John Lennon, as writer or co-writer, had 25 number one singles in the Billboard Hot 100 charts. And anybody who's too young to remember John Lennon, please look him up and find out about his wonderful songwriting collaborations and his brilliance. Here's the quote Scott has selected from John Lennon. Reality leaves a lot to the imagination. Scott, go ahead. Boy, it does it ever. I am amazed at how the things that we actually experience in life can sometimes be even more dramatic or pressing than our own imagination comes up with. And conversely, our imagination can come up with some wild things. And in fact, dreams themselves are coming right out of our imagination and our psyche. So I think they're all intertwined. And that's I chose that because imagination is where the creativity is. Very interesting. I think you're right. Imagination in the business world, we call that innovation or reimagining, right? That's what everybody wants. That's what every company, every company seeks that today. Thank you very much, Scott. Let's go on to the quote from Francesca. And Francesca sent us a quote from a character in a movie. The movie was Ratatouille, 2007 American computer animated comedy film produced by Pixar, released by Walt Disney Pictures and Ratatouille. The title refers to the French dish and the main character who is a rat named Remy. And the quote is from Auguste Gusteau, recently deceased chef, and he was voiced by the one and only, and I love this man's voice, Brad Garrett. He keeps landing in sitcoms that survive, don't survive, but I still think he's a a brilliant comedian. I think he was in... uh, something about singles, uh, parenthood or something like that a year or two ago and a very interesting character. Here is the quote Francesca has selected from Ratatouille. If you focus on what you left behind, you'll never be able to see what lies ahead. Beautiful quote. Francesca, tell us how you picked this. Um, I love animated film and I loved that movie. And when you asked for something inspirational, I, and we were talking about the future, 
that one of the important things when we're thinking about our own futures is not getting too mired in the past, although we do need to work through that. We need to find a way to focus on what lies ahead and to find a way to envision a future that we can feel good about, to give people a reason to want to keep going. And so I, I thought about that as much as I'm influenced by Jung, I'm also influenced by the positive psychology movement. And I, this really reminded me of the way some of the psychologists in the positive psychology movement think. Thank you very much. And let's see what Len has sent us. Len Cruz, I'm looking at your quote. And you sent one, a very serious quote, from The Library at Night by Alberto Manguel. And let me just read a little background about the book. Inspired by the process of creating a library for his own 15th century home near the Loire in France, acclaimed writer Alberto Manguel conducts a unique library tour that extends from his childhood bookshelves to the quote-unquote complete libraries of the internet from ancient Egypt and Greece to the Arab world from China and Rome to Google. And here is the quote. And you're going to relate this to dreams, Len. The starting point is the question. Ooh, that's heavy. Len, talk to me. How'd you find this? I know you're, you're big on books and libraries you, and your publisher. So how, how does this quote relate to dreams? Go ahead. Well, you hit the nail on the head. It's the love of books that starts it. And that's actually the opening line to his, to his book. And the idea that you could write a whole book about libraries is just, it's a beloved thing for me. And it's one of these books, it's almost like a, a novel of magical realism. And I think what I love about that opening line is, of course, he goes into the starting point as a question about how you organize a library, how you make selections. But it occurs to me that, you know, there's, and he says this at some point in the book, that no matter what your library collection is, you've, you've also almost have, have assembled an anti-collection. It's all the things that you couldn't bring in, that you passed by, that you might never have even encountered. And not unlike dreams, especially those that we try and remember, there's the pieces that we can actually recover. Um, and those are what we refer to as the dream. But I think there's a vast world that, that goes unanswered. And there's, there's where I think that idea that it starts with a question of what, what are all the elements of our dreams that we don't hold on to, but still they're the stuff that make us. Very interesting. Thank you all for the wonderful quotes. I appreciate the time and effort you put into it. I have a question around the table before we start predictions, and we'll start with Roberta in a moment. The question is, I've been told and taught, um, and I used to have a, a therapist years ago. She passed away, a wonderful lady in Great Neck. And she used to, when I come in with a really good dream that I thought was important, she would write down notes about it and we would talk about it. We, we didn't do any deep dive into dream an analysis, but I appreciated that she respected that I said, boy, did I have a dream last night or this morning. But my question is, I've been told that our dreams reflect bits and pieces of what happened that day or just before we went to sleep. It's recent, little little bits and pieces from real life, whether we spoke to a certain person, we wore a certain color dress, we ate a certain fruit, we went, we watched a certain TV program. So my question is, can we control what our dreams are? And just a quick yes or no around the table. I'll do Roberta first. I'll ask Roberta first. Can we control more um, on the content, at least, shall we say, the cinematography of our dreams by purposely doing something during that day. In other words, if we know that orange juice upsets us, don't have orange juice because that might give you a bad dream. If we know that the color red makes us happy, should we surround ourselves with color red before? We, if we know that a certain TV series makes us 
think expansively rather than, oh, that was really a bad joke. Should we watch a different before we go to bed? Yeah, just a quick yes or no. I'm just curious about, in other words, the elements that our, our subconscious brings into the dreams. Can we change those elements on purpose to reflect in our dreams? Roberta, yes or no? What do you think? I'm going to throw you a loop and say yes and no. All right, you have to explain the no. It's a both and instead of an either or. Replace the no. What's the no mean? What is the no? Expand. Well, your unconscious controls what you dream about, not your conscious mind. So during your your day, you're going about things consciously. Uh, One time a client, when I, I used to work with a lot of children when I was in North Carolina, not so much here. And a mother told me, oh, my child only dreamt about that because he watched that on TV today. And I said, your child watched a lot of things on TV today. Why did his dream psyche pick that thing? Thank you. Question asked, answered, and answered. Thank you. Let's go to Scott. Thoughts about populating dreams on purpose with whatever happens during the day. Scott, thoughts? Yes or no? Can we? I think it's possible. That's my answer. I think it's possible. Okay, thank you. Francesca, thoughts? Yes or no? Closer to Roberta's yes or no. I think that you can certainly incubate dreams. So by thinking about what you want to dream about, thinking about maybe questions that you would like to have answered, and certainly people who can lucid dream are able to control their dreams. I am able to lucid dream, but about 25 years ago, I made the conscious decision to not in any way consciously change my dream in the, as the dream was going. just didn't want to interfere with any of the messages Psyche was sending me. Interesting. Len Cruz, what do you think? Yes or no? Well, I think we can influence them. Control them might be a little overreach, but influence them, yes. And like Francesco was saying, I think when you have that occasion of a lucid dream, it sure leaves you with the impression that you've been controlling it. But I still am a little suspect. Even those lucid dreams have a wild element that is that sort of catches you by surprise sometimes. Thank you very much. The fun and joy of dreams to catch us by surprise. Let's go to our prediction cycle now. Everybody sent me four. Let's see how many we can do. Not a race against the clock, but let's take about a minute and a half or two for each prediction. And we'll make this a round table as much as I'll do one prediction from each of you around and around. But if you want to comment on what anybody else said, just raise your hand wildly. I'll see you here on Zoom or just jump in. So Roberta Moore, first prediction. Technology advances will change the symbols we see in our dreams. I know Francesca alluded to this a little bit earlier, though the archetypal meaning of these symbols will remain the same and we can still source them from history. Ooh, Roberta, talk to me. What does this mean? Well, we, we are having, you know, there's an idea that archetypally there are patterns in the world. The real simple explanation would be if you ask us to think of mother, we all know what mother means, but my mother would be different from your mother. But mothers go back and, all you know, tribes around the world, all cultures, all society, it's the same. Uh, I had a dream involving a watch, my watch once, and a phone. And it was about time. Time on the old-fashioned watch and time on that digital phone, which, you know, there were more elements to it than that. But that was a dream where time was an archetypal symbol, but how it expressed you know, the old-fashioned timepiece versus the newfangled digital timepiece helped me make a decision where I went to Scott and said, Scott, I think we're supposed to move back to St. Louis. (laughs) We were in North (laughs) Carolina at the time. There's a lot more behind that dream. We don't have time to go into it. But I'm just saying 
you know, what will time, if you use time, what will time be? What will 10 o'clock be uh, in future generations? We don't know how that will display, but the idea of time might, might still, telling time might still be the same. Thank you very much. Very interesting. More sharing. We appreciate that. Scott, you, I'm looking at prediction number one. I'm loving number two, but we're not going to get there yet. Number one, Scott said, recording dreams as they occur in the brain. What if you could wake up in the morning and watch the dreams you had the night before? An article in Science says they are working on it. And the reference is sciencemag.org, a news article from 2018 titled, Mind Reading Algorithm Can Decode Pictures your head. Wow. Scott, talk to me. Well, so wouldn't it be cool? I mean, here <laughs> we're struggling to try to remember dreams, but what if there was a tool that actually allowed us to record our dreams? And that article, when I saw it, really spiked my curiosity about that and how could we do that? And, you know, technology is decades off to do that, but at the same time, what a game changer for actually looking at your dreams and understanding what's going on in the psyche. That's what that prediction was about. And Scott, I wonder if we would have time for anything else if we were very active dreamers, if we didn't, I have people say, oh, I don't dream. And I said, well, you dream, you just don't remember that you dream, right? And everybody's nodding. I agree. So what, what if somebody said, ah, I don't dream, I don't have time for that. Well, of course, you do have time for that if you sleep, you dream, hello. But uh, what if they, they were confronted with, uh, Bob, good morning, you had 12 dreams last night, and here's the one we really want. I mean, think of big brother, big sister, future world here, where something says, we really think you want to pay attention to dream number nine, three minutes in, because the archetypal symbology, using some words from Francesca, is amazing, and it's going to help you figure out what you want to do with your next professional career path. And Bob is saying, I, I liked it before I knew I was even dreaming. <laughs> Leave me the blank alone. So thank you, Scott. Very, go ahead, Scott. So isn't that the scary side of technology? Where yep. does it interrupt our lives? Yep. How much do we want it to interrupt our lives? I think that's the flip side question. Right. Thank you. Francesca, prediction number one is with the, ah, with the increase of screen time and the use of sleep aids, people will get poorer quality sleep, making it harder to remember dreams. Ooh, that's a big one. Francesca, tell me a little bit more, please. Yeah, a lot of my clients, friends, people that I work with, and certainly periods of time when I do this, are spending so much time looking at the phone or a tablet or something right before, you know, I try to close my eyes or right before they try to close. And all those pixels make the brain very active and you don't get real quality sleep. And it's hard to remember. You are dreaming. We are going into REM sleep, but people aren't remembering their dreams. And so this goes back to the thing that I talk to all my clients about is that radical self-care, you know, finding time to wind down at night, finding time to make room for psyche and to kind of create a situation where I will be relaxed enough or they will be relaxed enough to have a good night's sleep to be able to remember the dreams in the morning. Thank you very much. Interesting predictions. Len Cruz, you're up next. I'm looking at prediction number one. You say, and this is, we've been talking about this a little bit, there will come a time when it'll be possible to manipulate our dream life. And here's the caveat, Len says, when that day comes, the temptation to corral the wild unconscious 
may hasten the death of the soul. Oh, Len, this is heavy. You got to explain this to me. What are we talking about here? How dangerous is this? (laughs) Well, you know, it strikes me that one of the great joys of being human is that tension between the illusion that we control things and the occasional um, abrupt reminder that, oh, yeah, you think so. And it strikes me that there is no better place for that drama to play out than in the domain of our dream life, where every night we go to bed and we're reminded that there's something wild, untamable. So it, it troubles me the notion that when we can manipulate our dreams, who would be the one manipulating? I mean, the way most of us, I think, in, gathered here would think of the, the conductor of that, that great symphony of our dreams would be the self, something higher and beyond us. But you give my ego control, and I'm afraid that what it'll do is it'll extinguish all that's rich and textured and vital. So I'd love that in one way, and I, I'm horrified that it might happen at any time soon. Thank you. Thank you for the personal reflection on that. Roberta, I'm going to your prediction number two, but I'm going to just interject to your prediction number three because I think it addresses what Len just said. And Len, Roberta's prediction number three was new gadgets for dreaming will not succeed in giving us the ability to control our dreams totally. So I'm just going to throw that out. From her lips to God's ear. There you go. I'm going to mark that one as covered, (laughs) Roberta, so we don't do that again. Interesting. So Roberta, prediction number two. Science seems to be the new projection for the sacred. As this continues, and you'll explain this, I would expect to see increased incidence of people having anxiety dreams. Like we all know the dream, you're back in school and you didn't study for a math test. And my my mom used to have dreams that she was on the train and missed her stop, or you're on a bus and the door opens and you can't get off where you're supposed to, things like that. Those very, 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 I'll say popular, but I'll say common is a better word. So Roberta, tell us about this one, please. I think I was thinking of, um, there's a Jungian analyst that most of, I think all of us on this call know about, James Hollis, and one of his books is called Mythologems. And, you know, he's, when we've heard him lecture, he's talked a lot about how when there's less sacred in everyday life, where did, where did the projections go? You know, the old gods in Greek and Roman mythology used to hold a lot of energy on people's projections. Where is that now? Because we, we're not a society where we wake up and tell each other our dreams around the campfires um, so that we connect to each other. So, you know, my thought, my thought was that it is similar to what Len has been saying, I think, is that, you know, could this, could gadgets and technology take us on a dark path if, if man doesn't know how to reasonably contain the, the amount of energy that is in that, where does that energy go? And, and, and is it used for good or is it used for evil? I think the potentiality is there for both. Thank you very much. Interesting. And Scott, I'm going to prediction number two, and I love this one, Scott Skankin. You say, augmented in virtual reality with dreams. Imagine putting a headset on and walking into your dreams. Using virtual reality, you could literally experience them during your waking moments. If you could record them, you could play them back. So let's talk about AR and VR. Scott, what do you see? Well, I just see... Building off my actual first 
of prediction that if you could really record them, then can you actually play them out in real time with, you know, and interact with them? You know, lots of games today are doing that with augmented reality or virtual reality where you put on a headset and you actually enter the environment. And so you, you, you experience the whole thing. Well, wouldn't that be so cool with a dream? Could be terrifying too, though. So I, I think it's a mixture, but it certainly would be a, a different way to experience it. Uh, some of us have done dream work, which is around dream theater, where you act out with other people your dream. And that's, you know, a very different method of looking at dreams. This would take it even further. Thank you. And that reminds me of the Billy Ocean song title I read at the beginning, Scott, get out of my dreams, get into my car. <laughs> get out of my dreams, get into my car. Da, 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 da. Uh, I'm thinking of something else. You're, you're 16. You're beautiful. I'm thinking I I'm remember mixing that up. song, yes. Too much rock and roll in my brain. Let's move on from Scott. Let's go to Francesca. And I'm looking at your prediction number two. This is interesting. Uh, Francesca predicts or, or tells that when Psyche, and I want you to define the term Psyche, please, Francesca. When Psyche really wants you to notice something, she will send you a remarkable dream that you will remember. Ooh, now I'm scared and excited at the same time. Talk to me, Francesca. Psyche is basically, it's from the old Greek word, uh, soul, but it's basically when Jungians and psychologists think about the totality of ourselves, our psychological self, our, our, our unconscious, our conscious, and, and who we are as, as human beings. And, and we talk about her personified as if the goddess psyche will send us the dreams. And, and that is sometimes why I'll be working with a client who may have had a dream that seems absolutely horrific, but when we actually get in there and work the dream, sometimes the dream might be very positive or, or in some ways encouraging, but the symbols sometimes that Psyche sends are very powerful and maybe disturbing because she wants us to pay attention and notice. Thank you very much. Good prediction there, and I think that's a lesson for all of us. She wants you to notice. Yes, I, my dream about losing my car in a large parking structure uh, probably meant that I need to get out more because it's in my garage. As I end most of my business radio shows saying, um, uh, fasten your seatbelt, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. And then I say, I don't know about you, but my car is getting three months to the gallon. How's yours doing? So there, there you go. Still under semi-lockdown here. Let's go to Lynn. Lynn, I'm going to skip over prediction two for now and go to three because I like this one. And I think this is what people really want to hear you say. Lynn, Lynn Cruz predicts the use of hallucinogenic substances will help us dissolve the boundaries between our waking dreams, normal consciousness, and the dreams we enjoy in sleep. And I think the word enjoy is debatable. So, Lynn, talk to us about hallucinogenics. And does this have anything to do with marijuana is now legal in so many states and is that going to be impacting dreams i'm just uh, just expanding the concept go ahead lynn bear in mind i work in a I, I run a hospital for substance use so in no way am i advocating for misuse of substances but mm-hmm. i would like to footnote that um it's i think a regrettable thing that going back a, a couple of decades the fda banned um, hallucinogens, um, specifically things like LSD, um, psilocybin, and there's burgeoning research in that field now for things like PTSD and a variety of other conditions. And it seems to me part of the, the mystery of hallucinogenic use is it, it 
really does dissolve that boundary between what we experience in our dream life and what we think of as our consensual reality that goes with waking life. And the reason I say regrettably about the FDA's movements over the last couple of decades is I, I can't help but wonder that if, if perhaps we had had more research along the way and we hadn't stigmatized the use of hallucinogens, which many of which have been used for thousands of years by indigenous cultures, if we might not have a greater capacity to honor the, the mysterious parts of life that we often encounter in dreams. You know, when I look out at the world now, I see a great deal of emphasis on the tangible um, aspects of life, building empires, um, destroying uh, resources, and very little attention to the subtle connections that we have that I think hallucinogen. So my prediction is that with the return of some interest in those subjects, maybe we'll see a little bit more honoring of the unconscious. Thank you very much. Very profound prediction, Dr. Cruz. Let's go around the table. Let's see if we can do another round here before we have 10 more minutes left to the show. So, Roberta Moore, I'm looking at prediction number four. This is interesting. You say, we don't know yet. If new tech devices will affect the neural pathways in our brain, will they change us for the better? Or will they scramble our brains? Oh, my. Roberta, is she the princess of doom and gloom or the prophet of reality? Go ahead, Roberta. (laughs) Uh, It's probably coming out of my own unconscious anxiety about uh, losing control over my, my own brain and somebody coming in and injecting something that I don't want to be there. And I'm laughing about that, but I do think there's some some truth about that. When I was a little girl, I had a recurring nightmare. I don't have it anymore, but I had it for many years that um, that I would open our front door in our house and there'd be a group of large Malamute, Alaskan Malamute dogs, and I would be paralyzed. Like the dogs would be barking at me and they would want to lunge as if to bite and I wouldn't be, I was frozen. I wouldn't be able to close the door or anything like that. And I, you know, I could, I could take too long going into all the reasons why based on what I was experiencing in my family at the time. But, but that's probably, the, the prediction is probably coming from that part of me that would be like, I, I don't want anybody to inject anything into, into my psyche. I want to let what's there naturally evolve. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And uh, this conversation does get personal from time to time, doesn't it? Because we all dream. We are all dreamers in our own way. So we're not just talking about society and culture in general. We're talking about our own experiences. So thank you for that. Scott, I'm looking at prediction number three. This is crazy. Interesting. You say mapping the dream world. And uh, this is crazy. Uh, What if there was another world where we're all connected through our dreams? If there is, is there a way to map it. And then you say the foundation of shamanic studies started a project in the 1970s to map non-ordinary reality. And if you go to shamanism.org, the article is there. Scott, you did a lot of research for this, my friend. Thank you. So Scott, mapping the dream world, what are we talking about here? Well, it's interesting. So when I did my shamanic journey training, one of the things that we talk about is we, we go into an altered state of consciousness through the use of drumming. Of course, some shamans, as Glenn alluded to, used to use uh, hallucinogenic drugs as well. 
But the idea was you could go to the lower or the upper world, uh, search, search out your spirit animals or spirit guides, and actually talk with them. And so Michael Harner, who's an anthropologist, he's since passed away, but he started the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, um, really um, broadened the interest in shamanism in the United States through some of his books and training classes. And so he started this project to map the non-ordinary reality because he noticed anthropologically that there were some things that were very similar. And I have always thought that shamanic journeys are very similar to dreams. And so wouldn't it be interesting if you actually started to map out the dream world and the different places people go in the dream world, and maybe there is some similarities, maybe some very, scary places and dark places. It just seems like an interesting thing with all the technology we have now. I, I started a, a new series. I binge on Netflix this summer and just I'm going through series, sometimes a whole series in a weekend. Those are the 27-minute shows with six episodes. Nobody get too scared about that. But uh, And I think I did three series this past weekend. But I, I happened upon one, I don't remember the name, where Anna Paquin was starring. And she ended up sharing in a future reality, she was sharing the mind, the brain. Oh, you know that one, Francesca. It's oh, so great. I can't think of the name of the program. Yeah, with somebody else from another universe, and they were both sharing the same thoughts and brain space. And talk about virtual and weird reality. So anyway, if you're into that, go for it. Look up Anna Paquin and see what she's in next. So uh, Francesca, you're next. And let's look at prediction number four. You say what pe- when people are able to engage in the kind of nesting that one does in the home, they can feel more relaxed and serene. When we're more relaxed and serene, they're more likely to sleep better and more likely to remember their dreams. So Francesca, why don't you spend about, oh, we've only got five minutes left and I want to cover one more from Len. So Francesca, take about a minute and a half. What is it? This idea comes from a book by the late James Hillman called Kinds of Power. And he was talking about the hypertrophy of media, that it's everywhere, constant, constant images coming. And I love technology. I would not miss a day of work in this pandemic because of technology. Because mm-hmm. I see my clients, so I love technology. But what he says is that Hermes is the trickster. The trickster. And, and so we're not always... Uh, you know, we're constantly on our phones, we're constantly doing things. And the thing to do when you're really caught up in a Hermes place is the healing of the goddess Hestia, who is the goddess of home and the hearth. And so he talks about the idea of when you're caught too much in him, there's got to be nesting and resting and taking care and maybe even doing mundane things at home like baking bread or folding laundry that get you relaxed. And so that's the antidote to too much Hermes is Hestia. And that's the nesting back to that radical self-care so we can relax enough to remember our dreams. Thank you, Frank. Why all the stores were out of flour, right? At one point in time. <laughs> and, and, and yeast yeast was selling for up to $100 an ounce on Amazon a, a couple of months ago. I happen to have a couple packets of Fleischmann's and I was willing to sell them. Very, no, I, I told my daughter she wanted to bake them. <laughs> Uh, and, and toilet paper, of course, we know the fear about that one. We'll just, you know, leaves and things from the backyard can come in handy. Len, I'm trying to squeeze in one more prediction. We've got three minutes left till the end of the show. So Len's prediction number four is in the same way that the notion of collected trauma 
trauma is gaining traction, Len predicts that the importance of collective dreams will gain more prominence as dreams are increasingly cataloged online. Ooh, Len, 90 seconds. What do you see here? Well, you know, one of the things that I love about the technology that's out there is there is a bunch of places where people are sharing their dreams wildly. And even as I wrote that prediction, it occurred to me if I weren't such an idiot, I'd develop the Google for searching out dreams and then seeing what are the ones that are common amongst us because I'm, I'm convinced that if, if there were a, an algorithm to gather all the dreams that people are dreaming and recording, that long before events happen in the extant world, we'd be seeing their, their hints um, and the wisps in the collective unconscious of all of us. So I'm thinking that might be one redeeming feature of technology that once we catalog all those, we might have a little bit of a sense of the futures that await us and maybe have a little op- opportunity to shape that rather than be subject to it only. Thank you very much, all. This is Let's have a round of applause for Roberta Moore, who gathered all of you, invited you, and Len and Scott and Francesca. I just met you before the show, and thank you for having faith that we would have a good time, which we have. And by the way, I started painting watercolors and collages on canvas about eight months ago. I'm a voracious painter now. I'm exploring and experimenting with different techniques, and I sometimes start to paint after a, a series I'm watching on Netflix has exhausted me. I'll get up and actually start a painting at one o'clock in the morning, get up from the couch, paint till about one thirty or two in the morning, and then go to bed, play words with friends, catch up on the 12 or 18 games I have waiting, and then conk out and have a really good solid six or seven hours. So that's my that's my antidote to, oh my God, what's happening in the world? The anxiety. Wouldn't it be a lovely idea if if the pandemic, among all the horrors that it's bringing upon us, if it enforces a, a, a little more attention to Hestia? and a little less to the technology. There you go. Absolutely. I want to thank all of you, Roberta Moore, Scott's gang, Francesca Ferrantelli, and Len Cruz. And let's all do a thank you to Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire. Aaron gets us on the air and keeps us there. He called himself my sidekick, and I think you are. Aaron, you've you've earned that. So all I'm going to say is thank you for listening to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Dream on. Make them good dreams or just deal with them and try to find some thread in them that will help you in your waking life. And Remember, if somebody tells you the future is already here, I say, no, no, no. I listened to Bonnie on TechRev. I know that's not true. The future of now hasn't happened yet. So let's all be part of making it a good one. Everyone wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Be safe, be smart, be savvy. And if appropriate, distance, wash your hands and wear the damn mask. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.